You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Chapter 13 opens and we're introduced to the Ecclesia or the church at Antioch. And we read that there were some prophets and some teachers. Barnabas. Well, we've been introduced to Barnabas before, so we know a little bit about him. Simeon. We really don't know much about him. We know that he was called Niger. So we're told a bit about him by the writer. Lucius, well, he came from Cyrene. Manaean, we're told that this person was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. And then there's also Saul. And we know quite a bit about Saul. You know, we've read of him in Acts 9, a bit about him in Acts 11, 12. And so Saul is most probably the one that we're going to start to see and a number of these others will disappear off the scene. But in verse 2, there was a particular day that they were ministering. They were doing the work of God. And the Holy Spirit came to them and said, Barnabas and Saul, to separate because there was a work or task that they would do. And so, as tradition, in verse 3, the leaders at Antioch fasted and they prayed and they laid their hands on them and then sent them away. So now if we can read verses 4 to 12. Thank you. Reading verses 4 to 12. So, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. While, uh, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Papfrost, they came upon a certain magician, a false Jewish prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately the mist mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed, 
when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Okay, thank you for that. We're not going to really touch too much on those verses because I really want to look at uh, the rest of the chapter. But in verse 4, we see that Paul and Bar- Saul and Barnabas left Antioch and came to Cilicia, which was a seaport. You see, Antioch was inland. And then from there, they sailed to Cyprus. In verse 5, we notice that they came to Salamis, which is a little city in Cyprus. Where did Barnabas and Saul go to? Well, they went and preached the word of God in the synagogue. And once they'd gone to Salamis, they came to Paphos, which is over on the other side of the island, as you'll see on the map behind me. And in verse 7, there was a gentleman called Sergius Paulus, and he wants to know more about the word of God. But Elymas seeks to turn away from the faith, and because of that, Elymas had had to suffer a consequence. And so out of those verses, I think the main take-home lesson for us is that we need to be like Sergius Paulus, And we need to listen to God's word. So now let's uh, listen as Zeb reads for us the rest of chapter 13, verses 13 to 52. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphros and came to Pergia in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Pergia and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, men of Israel, You who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. He took about 450 years years after that, and after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Out of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a saviour, Jesus, as he promised. 
Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognise him, nor understand the utterances of the people, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by, the, by condemning him. And though they found, him, uh, found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written of him. They took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that God promised the fathers. And he has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as far for the fact he, hang on. and as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He's, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let you uh, you will not let your holy one see corruption for david after he had served the purpose of god in his own generation fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption but he whom god raised did not see corruption let it be known to you therefore brothers that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you and by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astonished and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work which you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. As they... As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, 
they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And many were appointed to eternal uh, life, believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city and stirred them up in, against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Thanks for that reading, Zeb. So we see, starting at verse 13 now, that John was with them as well. And he... So John was with them when they left Antioch and came to uh, the Isle of Cyprus, but now he returns to Jerusalem. And then they go from there to Perga, which was a seaport. And then they moved to Antioch. So we need to be quite aware of that there is two Antiochs. There's one which is straight above Jerusalem over where we saw, but there's another Antioch over in Pisidia, Galatia area. So when Barnabas and Saul went to Antioch, where did they go? in Antioch. To the synagogue. Exactly. And what you'll notice when you're reading through that Paul and Barnabas and that, the first place they always went to was the synagogue. Why would they go to the synagogue? But why not somewhere else? Don't answer. You've already answered. I can see. <laughs> Someone else? Yeah, because that was uh, where the Jews had heard of Jesus. And so on your sheet, the next bit was where did the faithful men go first? So whether it was Paul and Barnabas or, sorry, I should be saying Saul and Barnabas at this stage because he hasn't quite changed to Paul we notice that there are a number of places where Saul or Paul, whoever he was at the time, went straight into the synagogues. Now, he did go to some places where there was no synagogues, but as much as he could, the first place he would go was a synagogue. And so a question for our day is, when we go on a journey, do we search out those people that follow God? Do we try and touch base with people that are interested in the word of God? Or do we try and go somewhere else? <clears throat> now, the other thing that we see in this chapter is that Saul's name became Paul. Because in verse 9, it talks about Saul becoming Paul. And then from verse 13 and verse 16 and verse 43, 45, 46, 50, 
we see and then chapter 14 that Saul's name now becomes Paul. It's been changed. And we see that Paul in Acts chapter 13, we see that he is in the synagogue and they ask, is there anyone that would like to speak? And so Paul stands up and he appeals to the audience. And chapter 13 is just amazing because it's got so many powerful lessons for us. If we just flick through with our eyes, verse 17, we see that God chose the fathers of Israel. He exalted the people. God brought them out of Egypt. Verse 18, God saw their manners in the wilderness. Verse 19, God destroyed the nations. We notice that he decides the land that the children of Israel would live in. Verse 20, God gave them judges and then prophets, starting with Samuel. Verse 21, we notice that the people rebelled against God and wanted a king. But God gives them a king. In verse 22, we see that God removes Saul and he sets up David, a man after God's own heart. In verse 23, God raised up a saviour, which was Jesus. In verse 24, we see that there was a forerunner to Jesus, and that was John. In verse 25, we see John. He was a man that knew his position in life. You see, John puts Jesus above himself. Now, for us, human nature, we like to put ourselves above everybody else. Yes, I'm the best. Follow me. Do this, do that. But John knew that Jesus was above him. And so we need to realise as people that, you know, what do we do with our friends? Do we try and assert power or authority over everybody? Or do we just be like John, humble, and allow Jesus to be the centre? And then we come to verse 26. And Paul is starting to really ramp up his um, discussion. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. What is salvation? What might be a definition for salvation? Okay, so being judged worthy by Jesus. What else could we do for salvation? Sorry. Okay, salvation from what? What, what do we need salvation from? 
And so, no, 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 that's quite okay. (laughs) That's no dramas at all. So death, so we need salvation from death. So to these people and to us, the reader, Paul is saying there is salvation. Okay? And then it comes down to verses 27 and 28. And the people in Jerusalem had put Jesus to death. In verse 29, they then put Jesus into a sepulchre. And we come to verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. What do we call that when someone's raised from the dead? Resurrection. Okay, so here Jesus has received resurrection. Okay, God had brought Jesus back to the life after three days in the grave. In verse 31, there were a group of people that saw Jesus alive after he was raised. And we can read that in John chapter 20, verse 11 through the end of John, or in Matthew and Mark, and we're going to look at that a little bit further at the end of our discussion. In verse 32, we see that there's promises made to the fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to David. And so these promises which were made from God, God had promised something to these fathers of Israel. And he promised it not only to those fathers, but to other people throughout Scripture. And if he's promised something to these people many years ago, God had promised something in Paul's day. And that is in verse 33. Because Paul said that God has done the same to us. He's promised something in Paul's day. Now, if he's promised something way back when Abraham and David were alive, and then he's offered it in Paul's time, then I'm sure that he's going to offer it to us today. Because why would God offer something to one person or one group, and then to Jesus, and then not to people down the track. So God raised up Jesus, and Paul spoke to the people about Psalm 2, and that's quoted in verse 33. We come to verse 34. He raised up Jesus. No more to return to corruption. 
What's corruption? What is corruption? Come on, you science heads. What's corruption? Sorry, chaos? Could could be chaos? Something a little bit... Sorry, hang on, two voices. Someone here? Decay. Okay, so something that started off really, really nice, like an example, you go into a shop, you get a banana or an apple or something, you leave it on the kitchen bench, maybe a week or so, what happens? Starts to deteriorate. Yep. You want to say something? Yep, starts to deteriorate, and then what happens? Do you eat it? Why not? Yeah, it goes bad. Okay, so corruption is like that. You know, it's a spoiled state. It's putrid. Like once it decays or goes bad, oh, it stinks. Has anyone smelt a rotten egg? Sorry, you want to? You want to put it in the bin? Yeah, you're not going to eat it, are you? So it's a degenerate state. So corruption is where something might be pure or good, and it eventually goes down to a a state where it stinks and it's rotten. And verse 34, Paul then says to God, says that God will give you the sure mercies of David. So whatever God gave David, we can have it as well. Let's have a look at Psalm 16 and verse 10. Okay, can we have a volunteer to read Psalm 16 verse 10? Thank you. Okay, so here in verse 35 of Acts 13, Paul is talking from Psalm 16, verse 10, about Jesus. And so way back, a number of years, centuries, Paul Paul is saying that here, David, or the writer of this psalm, spoke or prophesied about Jesus and that his soul would not be left in hell. Now, hell is another word for the grave. And once again, the Holy One, or Jesus, would not see corruption. And then he goes into verse 36, where David served for a time. And then what did he do? He fell asleep. And David saw corruption. And we could turn to a number of passages that talk about David seeing corruption in that he died and he's still in the grave. 
And I thought this is most probably a good time to mention Bruce. As we know, Bruce uh, was baptised into the sin-covering name of Jesus Christ. And I think most probably 99% of you here know him. And he's spoken very regularly about the scriptures to us. Bruce was one that lived from the scriptures. Now, some of you might, have, might say that Bruce has died. But for us, we would say that Bruce has actually fallen asleep. Why do we say that? Because he's going to be woken up with the resurrection. He's going to rise when Jesus returns back to this earth. And that's the joy of the gospel. You know, not just Bruce, but, you know, you you look at the scripture of David, of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob and that. They're all going to be raised and we're going to see them. And that is so joyful. And that's the very thing that Paul is saying here. You see, we come back to verse 37 of Acts chapter 13. And Paul comes back to Jesus and that God raised him and that he saw no corruption. Jesus was asleep. He was dead for three days. And in verse 38 and 39, we see that it's through Jesus we have forgiveness of sins. And if we believe on Jesus, we'll be justified will be made innocent or made righteous. Then in verse 40, Paul then goes, gives the listener a warning which was spoken in the prophets. And what was that warning? There were despisers. They were not going to listen and believe. No, I don't want the Bible. Who wants the Bible? It's not worth a cracker. And so there was deceivers that went through and tried to deceive Paul, uh, those that were listening to Paul. You know, don't follow the Bible, don't follow Jesus, etc. But we notice that in verse 42, the Jews left the synagogue, but the Gentiles, or the non-Jews, wanted to hear Paul again. So a week later, they were in the synagogue again. But we see there was Jews and Gentiles, believers that wanted Paul and Barnabas to stay. And in verse 44, could you just imagine it? Almost the whole city was gathered to hear God's word. You know, wouldn't that be amazing to have the whole city there wanting to listen to Paul? and God's word of what Paul was saying. But then in verse 45, human nature rears its ugly head. You see, there were some Jews there that saw the multitudes and they're filled with envy, with wrath, with malice. And they spoke against Paul contradicting 
what Paul was saying and blaspheming God. And that was all brought on by a number of the Jews there. And so Paul saw they were not going to get anywhere. And so from, on, from then on, at the end of verse 46, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Salvation was going to be unto the ends of the earth. And so here is that, that point where Paul realises that it's to the Gentiles that they now had to turn. There was a lot of Jews that didn't want to listen, didn't want to believe. But, in verse 48, there were many people that believed. Why did they believe? Does anyone know? What can we have? Eternal life. Exactly. So, when we have a look at that PowerPoint of what Paul and Barnabas were talking about, salvation, resurrection, promises from God, forgiveness for doing wrong, eternal life. Isn't that joy to the world? Wouldn't we want to be involved in that? So I want to have a look now at Mark chapter 16. And in particular, I said to you before that uh, Acts 13 verse 31, which talked about uh, the people that saw Jesus when he died or after he was raised. So I want to go to Mark 16. And I've got it on the screen there if you need to follow it along. So Mark chapter 16, I want to look at verse 9. Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he'd cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him, in other words, the disciples, as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive, and had been seen of her, believed not. Could you imagine Mary coming in, just so excited, joy that Jesus had been risen? And they believed not. Let's continue on. Chapter, verse 12. After that. He appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. So here Jesus appears to two of the disciples. And they went and told the others. They would have been excited. And they didn't believe them. 
And then we come to verse 14. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So we see here that Jesus, he went and spoke about their unbelief and about their hardness of heart. And in verse 15, Jesus says, Go to all the world and preach the gospel to everyone that will listen. Verse 16, and I think we had this last week as well, this chat verse. But we need to reiterate it as well because it's about belief. It's about being baptised, about being saved, having immortality or eternal life in the kingdom of God. Where in contrast, if we don't believe, we don't change our way, if we don't get baptised, then we are going to see corruption. So what have we seen tonight? We see that Paul was commanded to take the message to the ends of the world. They went to the synagogue to the believers to strengthen them. They saw what God had done for his people. We saw that salvation is a key message. We looked at the resurrection, promises to the fathers. We saw that Jesus was raised, forgiveness of sins. We've looked at what, where we can fit in and uh, what we must do. And so our title tonight Joy to the world. What is this joy? Well, God has worked in the lives of men and women. He caused Jesus to come, a righteous man who did no sin, who died for you and me to take away our sins. And how does this happen? Well, it's very simple. We need to believe in Jesus and the resurrection. We need to be baptised into his sin-covering name. We will be saved. You see, when Jesus returns back to this earth, we will be raised if we have fallen asleep in Christ. So tonight we have shared with you that joy And we hope that each one of us can take heed of the message, that message of joy given to the world.
Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.